All right. Good afternoon or good evening, I should say. <laughs> it's afternoon uh, as well. It, it sure is. But uh, <laughs> welcome to uh, our, our town hall. Um, I've got a ton of articles I want to go through tonight. So that'll be the primary focus of this evening. Um, with it being the holidays, uh, I don't think we're expecting anything major from the FAA at this point uh, to roll through. I think a lot of that stuff's been been done uh, and uh, postponed until anything else postponed until later. But uh, I do have uh, some interesting news coming out of the EU and the UK. So let me get my... Uh, stuff going here with and of them. course if anybody watching this has any questions put them in the chat and we'll try to get to them as soon as we can absolutely thank you dan all right once this boots up here all right so uh first and foremost uh, uh certificate and remote id is now going to be required uh to fly drones in the eu copycats uh, started... i know right <laughs> Uh, so starting January 1st, 2024, uh, new requirements in the European Union will come into effect, reshaping how small drones may be operated in the region. According to the European Union's Aviation Safety Agency, EASA, uh, with limited exceptions, even small drone pilots will require a certificate and registration and drones will be must be equipped with a remote identification system. So I'm not going to go super in depth just because I've got so much to cover, but uh, uh, as of right now, drones uh, from 900 grams in takeoff mass, uh, which would be uh, category one through category six, are already equipped with remote ID systems. Um, but the new change will affect anything up to uh, or down to, I should say, um, 250 grams. So anything less than 250 grams will be required um, to uh, follow uh, these new regulations in the European Union. Um, guys, we're sorry. Um, you know, we, we've said before that, uh, U S regulation tends to roll out across the world and here's your evidence of that. So, um, but, uh, I do believe that, uh, the EU's, uh, solution is exactly the same as the U S is, which would be Bluetooth, um, Hopefully I'm not talking uh, on something I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on on Europe on regulations. But uh, um, drone, the uh, Lucas Birchall uh, is uh, notated down at the bottom here talking about uh, um, the uh, capability or the needs uh, for remote ID and drone tag seems to be um, uh, obviously one of the solutions there. So um and uh these are going to be direct rid modules slash uh remote id built in it's very similar to uh, what we've got going on in the us if i remember right one of their rules that's really terrible is that if you have a camera you need remote id no matter what size it is even if it was like a one gram drone and it had a camera well, let's see here uh privately built legacy takeoff lesson let's see Pretty sure there's something about whether or not you have a camera on board. You might be correct. I'm not 100%, but uh, yeah, definitely. I know down uh, near the bottom of your screen, it talks about talking about drone weighed less than 250 gram and has no camera or other sensor capable of detect personal data. It might not yeah. be the camera itself, Wait, so but I, personal data. But. Well, if I have a Wi-Fi um, 
reader on there. I could collect personal data with that. Yeah, I think <laughs> that would then be, you would have to have remote ID sure. on it. So, um, yeah, definitely um, interesting. So, microphone. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, uh, also in uh, European news, uh, the FPVUK.org uh, has published its response to um, the CAA's consultation on proposals. I think we talked about something uh, about this last time. Um, to make it easier for drone users to fly safely and meet regulatory requirements. Um, so this consultation period uh, goes through 10th of January. It's a very similar process. Um, and I'm just going to pull up. This is their response. Uh, similar uh, kind of document to what we pushed out when we, we, when we respond to these uh, NPRMs or Notice of Proposed Rulemakings that the FAA pushes out. Um, but I'm going to scroll down. It's very long, um, but uh, they've got uh, remote ID uh, on the on the uh, page here. So, do you uh, agree with the approach to implementing remote ID? I disagree. Yep. <laughs> so, said. and they and uh, their response uh, very similar to what we said. Uh, they said uh, remote ID would require a huge investment in infrastructure and systems in the UK. This cost would no doubt be passed on to UAS operators in one way or another, perhaps through the registration fee. It would also require significant investment from drone manufacturers. And finally, it would involve very significant and disproportionate cost to operators of legacy drones and potential model aircraft flyers, too. The fact is, is that those intent on using a drone for nefarious purposes will not activate remote ID, and they certainly will not retrofit a remote ID module to a legacy drone. It's almost inevitable that any remote ID functionality will be defeated and disabled by hackers, those who like to tinker with how electronic products work. Spoofing could also be employed by those intent on using their drone without being traced, or they could simply build a drone from components. Furthermore, the police already successfully track and trace criminals who use drones using existing detection systems. Likewise, the CAA has already, already has access to this data, which allows it to understand the sector, etc. The proposed network and direct approach is overkill and puts an even greater burden on UAS operators. For example, retrofit remote ID modules, such as those available in the U.S., work for direct remote ID, but not network. Adding uh, a mobile data connection system and a, radio, a direct radio system to an existing UAS, for example, a legacy radio-controlled aeroplane or helicopter, is complex and disproportionate. So um, that uh, smacks of a lot of things that we talked about in our response um, and a lot of things that have come up here in the U.S. So uh, more power to uh, FPV UK uh, for... Um, lessons learned right so hopefully this uh um helps you guys hopefully this works um and for those of you and i do i do know we do have some uh folks that uh, keep tabs on what we're doing over uh over there um their process is similar to ours in which uh you can utilize um the the document however you must complete the response if you're going to submit one in your own words um so uh for for the betterment of you guys and, and hopefully uh this works out for you guys um get your responses in if you're in the uk um so and then just a follow-up to this and i don't know 
enough about, uh, and I'm not going to claim to know enough about uh, the remote ID uh, proposals because I, I honestly didn't go through everything. I just wanted to see what their response was. Um, so it seems that uh, rumors of home office having a keen interest in the UK remote ID system to be, be, be delivered by the CAA. It comes across on examining documents from the home office and the Ministry of Defense's Defense Science and Technology Laboratory that the agencies are trying to pull a fast one on the UK drone community. Given the CAA can't say who they, they expect to foot the bill for a remote ID, it's likely the Ministry of Defense are going to see civilians foot the bill for the rollout of tech that was developed for the battlefield called Sapient. The Home Office have applied pressure to the CAA consultation with a regurgitated bringing up of Gatwick's 2018, which was <laughs> BS. No, I'm just going to throw that out there, along with some drama queen uh, police call statistics. <laughs> That's awesome. Sapient is a Ministry of Defense developed control protocol, and it's become a standard for counter UAS in the UK. It's meant to integrate AI and sensors and it can control CCTV sensors such as radar and effectors such as jammers. The protocol itself can be used to identify and classify not only drones, but people from male, male from female and a weapon from a camera or microphone. Uh, egos being as they are in the policy and legislation lead for the NPCC has put his work with remote ID and the CAA on LinkedIn. Uh, DSSI News has reported that the Defense Science and Technology Laboratory has been working with the NPCC to deliver a sapient-based system that benefits Ministry of Defense's procurement activities. Um, so I don't know if uh, the UK is planning a remote ID solution based on the sapient. That's what it seems like, um, which to me would significantly add cost to the end users and then having them kind of foot this bill, I'm not, you know, I don't know enough about the politics over there, but uh, it seems a little out of whack for sure. I mean, at least here in the U.S., we had people take on those development, you know, that, that chose to do so. Uh, the development of the, the remote ID uh, broadcast modules and, and whatnot. But if it's being pushed and then integrated into cost down to end users, and pilots that's a that's a bad deal well in a way we're we're paying the cost as well because somebody designs and develops a remote id module we have to buy it and increase the cost of our drones so well yeah yes and that. no i mean the 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 concern here is that this would get incorporated into their registration fees uh to the uk government that you know similar to us going to drone zone and registering for five dollars I believe their bill right now is uh, going up to 12 pounds and like 16 pence. And that's annually that they have to pay. Um, yeah, I think the big cost is what they're talking about in the infrastructure in as much as they're pushing the notion of network remote ID. And mm -hmm. I think that's uh, where the huge costs in the U.S. will be as well when they go for unmanned uh, traffic management. Yep. So definitely interesting. <clears throat> uh, so... Just wanted to touch base as, as some of the things that we've been dealing with for the last little bit are rolling out across the globe. Um, and, uh, you know, again, sorry, guys. Uh, well, you know. slightly related to that, Morton Upshot's mentioning in YouTube that there's a Texas county that is trying to limit anything with a camera. So similar to the EU's bills about 
blocking anything with a camera or, uh, or needing remote ID. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we have any more inf- add phones to that too. Yeah. I don't know if we have um, any more information on that or if that's something anybody can help fight or if we should make that more yeah, public. Yeah, I mean that that would point that would definitely it, be but... that would be definitely something to forward on to to possibly Vic Moss and crew um, to and see what we can uh, accomplish there, but. Yeah, that's that's a hot mess. But, you know, I mean, Texas is going for cessation at this point. So, you know, there's that. (laughs) Remember, cessation, they're the only state in the union that can legally secede. Yeah. And that's up on their ballot in uh, in March, I think. So. All right. Uh, Enough smack talk. Um, So uh, Amazon uh, drone delivery executive uh, who oversaw safety. And FAA relations has departed. Um, so Sean Cassidy, who's, who served as the drone's hey, delivery uh, drone delivery unit's head of safety, flight operations, and regulatory affairs, has departed the company. Um, Cassidy was Amazon's primary liaison with the FAA as it worked to get the necessary regulatory approvals to expand the program. Amazon's drone delivery was hit hard by layoffs earlier this year and has been beset by regulatory setbacks. And the program cleared a key regulatory hurdle in October. However, when the FAA loosened restrictions on how uh, how and where its drones can fly. Um, so um, I think this is the third key executive from Prime Air that uh, has exited the company this year. Um, and uh, Did it say where Sean's going? No, it didn't. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so he is uh, he uh, former As- uh, Alaska Airlines pilot and vice president of the world's largest pilots union. So, um, yeah, but uh, there's a uh, one of the things that I brought up. If you can, this is uh, on CNBC. Um, there's and I'm not going to go into it, but there's a 20 minute long video here on uh, kind of. Uh, the evolution of Amazon Prime Air, um, and they talk about some of the other companies who are succeeding at this, uh, uh, notably uh, DroneUp and uh, um, Zipline. So um, probably worth a watch. I, I got through, uh, as you can see, the first two minutes and, and some change on it, but uh, I, I plan to put it on my watch list for later this evening. Um, but uh, yeah, so... It, the beginning talks about how um, they started rolling out uh, Prime Air in, in a couple locations, and one location still hasn't seen actual drone deliveries happening yet. So, um, yeah, and, and their their layoffs were, as you said, now were uh, material. There was it was enormous. It was eighty percent of the U.S. staff, and that's what we we also saw the entire um, UK staff. I, yeah, UK. I think uh, Isla White, if I'm not if I recall correctly, and so the other. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very difficult to uh, lay a whole organization off in the UK. Yeah. So, so definitely uh, interesting. Uh, you know, remains to be seen how Amazon uh, comes out of this or if they just move on. I mean, they, they've been pushing this for a minute and uh, other maybe take some notes from those who are, are winning in this field. So, all right. Uh, Sean, speaking has, of. Uh, oh. What's that? I was going to say, uh, Sean hasn't updated his LinkedIn with anything yet. So, all right. Well, still shows Amazon. Best to him. Uh, I'm sure that was definitely a, a challenging and rewarding position, but uh, 
Uh, we'll look to see where he goes next. Um, so speaking of drone up, um, uh, they are delivering donations for a holiday food drive. Uh, this is super cool. Um, so drone up, uh, for those who don't know, like Zipline are partnered with Walmart. Um, and they've been executing drone deliveries uh, in uh, several locations uh, around the country, including uh, here in Arizona. Um, but uh, they are using, uh, they're calling it uh, Drone It Forward, and the food drive uses drones to deliver Walmart purchases to participating partners. In Virginia Beach, the group is working with St. Michael's uh, Lutheran Church at uh, um uh, 2208 Princess Anne Road to donate food. Residents can visit uh, droneupdelivery.com and purchase non-perishable food items. Then they can enter the location of the church in the delivery field during the length of the food drive, which runs all the way through December 31st. Drone Up is waiving all delivery fees. So um, if you, uh, you know, a little bit of drones for good, um, want to make a donation, of some food, uh, they'll get it delivered. Um, the food drive program is also operating here in Arizona, Florida, Texas, and Utah. So all the locations that drone up is currently operating in. Um, so, uh, this is awesome. I, you know, a company that's, that's able to give back like that and, uh, you know, really be a drones for good kind of story. So, uh, more power to them and, uh, hope they keep uh, pushing that. So, all right. Um, as predicted, the FAA has launched the uh, safety campaign, the 12 Days of Drones uh, safety campaign for the holiday period. So um, it doesn't look the, very safe uh, in that first picture. You know, probably not. A, you know, there, there's a little bit of prop safety. <laughs> At least the blood there. blends in. <laughs> you won't see it in the suit. <laughs> so... Um, the uh, has launched a campaign for the safe use of drones over the holiday period called the 12 days of drone. The campaign will release specific drone safety topics to educate people about the rules, regulations and best practices of operating a drone um, from December 7th. About the worst practices. <laughs> I want to know what well, not to do. Well, they, they do cover that and we'll get there, Alex. Hold on. Um, so, uh, Let's see. Uh, each day we'll have a different uh, uh, topic. So uh, the topics up to date are uh, uh, trust, the recreational UAS safety test, um, register and mark your drone was uh, the 8th. The 11th is remote ID. Um, the 12th is become a certified remote pilot. Um, and today's was where can I fly? Um so there, uh, and then they have uh, upcoming ones on Lance, uh, weather, flying at night, drones are for everyone, flying over people, drones uh, and careers, and drones for good. Um, happy to see drones for good. Uh, happy to see drones and careers in there. Um, I'm interested to see what they talk about on flying at night, um, just because of uh, some confusion that can erupt from that. But um they did release this short little video. Uh, I thought I had it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so I'm going to play this real quick. This is kind of. If there's any audio, we don't get it, but that's it's right. just uh, really annoying Christmas bells. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, 
So flying your drone at or below 400 feet. Uh, keeping your drone within line of sight. Now, the I'm going to pause it real quick. Let's go back to this one. Uh, flying your drone at or below 400 feet. This is in Class G airspace. Um, so uh, definitely not clear there. Um, and I know they're just trying to get some quick points out here, but still. When your regulations are so difficult to understand and follow that you can't put them into an easy <laughs> presentation, right. uh, then maybe there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure your drone is equipped with a remote ID. If exactly or inside. that and if it's or if it's under 250 grams you know so obviously this is a, a big don't don't fly near other aircraft unless you're racing with other racers <laughs> or doing uh synchronized Sorry. flying <laughs> we're just picking apart every one of their little bits of you know information it's, here. it's it's kind of just what we do right so <clears throat> So uh, uh, it looks like the FAA is, is resorting back to, at least according to this, is is resorting back to calling us pilots and not operators. So, you know, we go back and forth with this. Yeah, I feel uh, like they did that group. around this time last year, too. Some similar yeah, you know. messaging. So, similar campaign. But, uh, well, they didn't have a, a grammarian uh, edit it. You know, they, you notice they called it stadiums. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So um, this is uh, from their actual page here, uh, the 12 days of safety. Um, and uh, so they'll be updating stuff on uh, Twitter and Facebook. So I do have a couple of Twitter drops here. So uh, we've got, uh, um, they're talking here about uh, safety tips. This is the beginning and then it just goes on in the thread. Uh, how to get your remote pilot certified, where can you fly. Um, uh, this is great to, to follow if you um, want to kind of get some information. They do talk about uh, compliance with the remote ID and different circumstances in which enforcement doesn't come up. Um, so uh, they, they, they've got some good, uh, good stuff here. Um, they've got... Uh, uh it's kevin kevin morris here yep so uh yeah so a couple <laughs> different things going on andy platters commenting that we're pilots when we're responsible and under the regs Op operators when they want us to, <laughs> to seem unqualified <laughs> yeah sometimes like you're that. pilot like sometimes that. you're not it depends what uh they want people to think about you yeah exactly um, this one I brought up for Alex specifically, so, uh, I have not checked this out. I just got the email. Um, oh. but, uh, the air up there podcast, which is the FAA's, uh, podcast is talking about drone racing, uh, with, uh, the chief oper uh, COO of, uh, DRL. So, um, probably definitely worth a listen. Um, it's good to see acknowledgement of some of the hobbyist, uh, um, activities around UAS and drones, uh, from the FAA. So, um, probably moving in a, in a, a decent direction from that aspect. So, but, uh, yeah. Um, I think wow, I moved through those fairly quick. What's that? I'm surprised with DRL, uh, doing outreach communication like that. 
because it seems like DRL has been going on going on the downward trend lately. I thought they laid everybody off that was responsible for like outreach and communication. <laughs> Maybe those were the ones that were yeah. still still left. Yeah. yeah, that that is puzzling because they're approaching chapter eleven, right, or thirteen. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I just know that they've had some troubles lately. Yeah. yeah, well, I would say that that's that's pretty uh, standard across the board, you know, right now. So we'll see if uh, hopefully the organization can survive. I think they've done some good things for uh, drone racing in terms of uh, visibility and and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so. But yeah, I think with that, that's that's all I have for this evening. Uh, I moved through those a little quicker. Maybe I should have grabbed a couple others. <laughs> I, have, I have just a couple. Uh, just yeah. uh, just very quick <clears throat> updates. Uh, the new DAC, the uh, Drone Advisory Council. So this is the group that uh, uh, we are forming along with uh, uh, John Hagrains, the CEO of uh, Aloft, and uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see, Drone or rather Pilot Institute, as well as Drone Service um, DSPA, Drone Service Provider uh, Alliance, and a number of other uh, great folks. So uh, we, in fact, have a, another meeting uh, tomorrow, and we're working on a standard remote ID tasking. And uh, uh, Greg Revendu, founder of uh, Pilot Institute, and I are co-chairing that activity. So that's happening. Um, the also I, I need to ask some uh, we're not involved in this one but the uh, uh, small UAS mitigation arc the aviation rulemaking committee should be wrapping up we'll see if they got an extension try to find out uh, I think we I, I know we know some of the folks uh, who are involved in that that was uh, UAS mitigation uh, is the euphemistic way to describe counter UAS so there's an arc going on uh, this year on that and we also have, uh, I think, one request for comments that we will probably file prior to January 6th. And uh, that's all I had. All right. Cool, cool. Uh, Alex, anything from you? I have uh, my map released. All right. Let's see what Share you got. That. Show us the latest yeah. version. All righty. So I'm guessing you guys can all see uh, the page mm -hmm. here. So yes, if you go to www.freeamap.com, you get this uh, lovely website that was put together in about 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you get a so part of here is just the image of what the overall map looks like. A uh, little information about the map, of what it covers, how accurate it is, that kind of stuff, and then different organizations that um, endorse the pro endorse it. So if we open up uh, the map, does it, uh, all right, switch to this tab instead. We can see we have around 1,301 Frias um, as of so it's when already, the data. You've already demonstrating an enhancement over the uh, FAA UAS facility map. and. That is that it has not crashed yet. <laughs> and it has well, Frias on it. It has Frias on it. A, the... second, a second excellent uh, attribute. It's still using the same software that the FAA is using. Mm -hmm. And the GIS yeah, uh, software GIS. that they're using. Mm -hmm. 
Correct. Right. Uh, so with this map, you can see we have the little legend here. So FPVFC Frias are in green, right. uh, TCA in orange, STEM plus C in red. They're on the west coast, and then AMA in blue. Uh, we have Fria boundaries in yellow. So there are boundaries for three out of four CVOs. AMA would not give me the boundary information. So I had to use the GPS location for the field that they said was approved. So some of those GPS co coordinates may or may not be at those AMA fields. Uh, yeah. They might be close to it. You'll just have to look up the club name. Uh, it's just a relative location for AMA. But STEM plus C, F TCA, and FPVFC, all of theirs are correct. I can zoom into the FRIA that we have that I got for my school through FPVFC. Uh, the yellow boundary is showing the boundary coordinates, and those are the exact GPS boundaries from the FPVFC applications. And then you can click on it to say, oh, that's at York College, and get a GPS coordinate of the center there. Great. Nice. And Alex, you're being modest. You said what the, the overall website took less than 24 hours. Uh, and this is your work. And it took, we're all aware that this took a lot more than 24 hours to put this together. So thank you for doing this. And uh, thanks to uh, the, those of us uh, sponsoring this. That and is, that, it's great. Yet you as one person were able to pull off what the FAA still couldn't do. <laughs> so this is an AMA field. There you go. There's the point. Yeah. I know one one person I was showing this to said that their AMA field was like a half mile down the road <laughs> from where the pin was, but I don't care enough to fix that, especially since AMA didn't give me their data directly. So yeah, yeah it's un that's unfortunate yeah. that they didn't want to share that. Hope yeah. maybe after they see how uh, effective this is, uh, well, they'll have a change. Of have to have a change of heart. That's a circle. It's a C, right? Uh, yeah, point so and radius, yeah. Circle for you. Uh, yeah. There's a couple of those from FTCA, actually. I'd say mm -hmm. at least half of the 30 FTCA Frias are center and radius. Interesting. Um, so, like, FPVFC Frias, they're mostly on the East Coast, but mm -hmm. that's mostly because, but I think that's because I've applied for these and then Dan got these. Uh, I think Dan's <laughs> waiting for some over here. Yeah, I have fun. It's only been uh, six or seven months since uh, my my three were have been applied. So you know, I double check on that because I it's start at least double check to see if it's under review. Yeah, they were under review as of uh, November, so I should check oh, again. Okay. Um, and then so, yeah, so at the least they didn't FTC... get totally lost like your other stuff has. That's correct. There's three in Alaska, two in Hawaii. Three in uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Cool. Yep. Um, there are 30 FTCA Frias, nine FPVFC, set, six or seven STEM plus C, and 1,207, no, not 1,256 of AMAs. I really thought so FTCA this point, was going to have more, but maybe they had a lot rejected or are still working on getting approval. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at this point, we're at uh, third capacity, according to the FAA, right? That's correct. <laughs> yeah, their target is 4,000. And um, 
So it is. This is it, that's a pretty sad statement. Just to reiterate what we put we've put forward multiple times, if you mm -hmm. take the number of uh, small UAS recreational operators uh, divided by uh, twenty, so you'd say one freighter for every twenty uh, operators slash pilot. Uh, that would equate to 79,000 freyas, and the FAA is targeting 4,000. And I'm sure all the there. rest of the operators are going to fly with remote ID, so they don't That's need right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. No need for the freyas. And, of course, the uh, AMA has 2,600 uh, fields, and uh, they're confident that they'll get all of those uh, in uh, for submission. Uh, and sounds like... Uh, the FAA is doing a great job of prioritizing the uh, AMA over uh, lots of other uh, applications. Yep. Zoom. Can you zoom out to just mainland uh, US? I can, but I wanted to point something out first. Oh, go for oh, it. the Edgewater yeah. Golf Course. Yeah. So this yeah. is Edgewater where flight test is, and this is the only part that the FAA approved. That's yes. the whole place. Right. That's all they approved. And correct. that's also part of it. I'm guessing because that building and that building that they wouldn't. That's do correct. That. Yeah, yeah. It took a, it took a, a number of iterations to get that approved, and happily, uh, Fury Field, which is the location, uh, there right you here. go. Thank you very and much. That's, for that's the location of Flight Fest 2024. Yeah. So the the interesting part about this is uh, you can kind of tell, um, you know, the the Frias are are pretty much in accordance with population density, right? So yes, East coast, uh, west coast, and uh, kind of north uh, north Midwest there um, are uh, definitely the the gist of of where everybody is is located in the United States, and uh, the 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 middle from you know basically Nevada on over to probably Kansas um, uh, is pretty. Uh, coincidental with population density in the U.S. So good to see that the distribution is, is shaping up correctly, um, but definitely would like to see more. So, um, so Alex, are are you uh, doing anything to maintain this, or is this a like standing uh, uh, standing map for now? I may maintain it. I may not maintain it. I don't know yet. So, we'll but see. it's a it's a. It's a good step in in identifying, and it's a good proof of concept mm -hmm. for what this it, should look like. It's a like start in the FAA, for right? people, so yeah, it's it doesn't need to be maintained. Um, I might maintain it. I might add uh, if people have educational institution freeas, mm -hmm. I might add those since those aren't on this list currently, because um, it's and only free, CDO freeas. I probably to... won't. Freeze have to be renewed every four years. Is that correct? I believe so. So, so this has a longevity of at least that long. Correct. I'd say so. three and a half because I think the first couple were approved in July. Mm -hmm. So yep, it's great. Safer to say three and a half years for longevity for this because I don't know which ones were approved. I didn't add which ones were approved when because that was be way too many data points to add that information to. Because because I'd have to copy and paste that individually, or type it individually, which I didn't want to do. So you're saying that a uh, an API or an SDK might be a really useful thing for the uh, free uh, database? Uh, probably. Uh, for 
for the uh, inside joke, the uh, my tongue is so firmly in my cheek because we've been asking <laughs> for an API, which exists, but the FAA <laughs> will not give us access to. And uh, they've just, um, the, the reason uh, why they don't want to give us access is because they've taken the decision that they don't want to give us access. They did say, <laughs> they, they did say at one point that it was for security reasons, but we did have a discussion that that's really not uh, a, a viable response in as much as they have other APIs, uh, notably for trust, uh, where they have handed out uh, cross, uh, cross firewall um, APIs. So we can, we will continue to persevere that or pursue that rather. A couple other things with this is Pennsylvania has the most free is uh, 104. Uh, some other features with the map that might help you use it is you can set it to find your location. So you can get an estimate of where you are and see, oh, there's a free near me. And be like, Frederick Royal Aircraft Club, which is where I fly at when I'm home. I assume that geolocates your IP address. You're assuming that that's yes. I, assuming that's. I accurate. don't know what it's doing. I just, I'm not sure what <laughs> method a, they're choosing. A feature of ArcGIS. It's just fairly accurate. Yep, it's just uh, from ArcGIS, so that's what I'm using. So what's the uh, what's the web address for this? Uh, www.freeamap.com. There you, you can also go. search for places. So uh, whatever address you want to use, you can search for that. Cool. If you want to hide AMA freeas, you can uh, use that. <laughs> See what everything else is like. Um, you could even hide uh, FTCA, STEM plus C, or FPVFC and be like, oh, there's no Frias. Right, right. Or if you want to just uh, look at That's the interesting. boundaries. You yeah, you still see the boundaries. Okay. Yep, which you can uh, hide those with that. And now you have nothing. <laughs> so basically what the FA has. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> that's awesome great job alex this yeah, is a nice uh, piece of work yep 100 percent. so um yeah definitely cool all right uh anything else alex uh, that's all i have all right uh dan anything this evening i don't have a whole lot um the little bit of time i've spent lately i've been Playing with, I've got a handful of different remote ID modules like this Holy Stone or the uh, Flight Test Easy ID and a drone tag and uh, one of the new MRID. I forget how they actually would, I guess CB Runner can correct me here. He's in our chat. Uh, the Phoenix UAS remote ID module, if that's MRID or MRID. Um, been playing with that Mr. one a little ID. bit. Mr. ID. I don't think there's an R in it, but uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play with it, but my, my thought is to get more comfortable with them, test them out a bit, maybe throw up something on our website with some quick FAQs about each one and maybe pros and cons of wouldn't you choose one over another and some easy stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm working on. CB Runner wrote M and then in quotes, R-I-D, <laughs> all caps. Um, yeah, so that's all I really have. Not a whole lot going on. But I do want to get to a comment here in our uh, YouTube channel. They said, um, Andy Platter saying, remote ID seems mostly settled. What's the next 
negative legislation from FAA coming down the pipe that we need to start watching out for and raising awareness about. Remote, uh, network, ID. network, remote yeah. ID. Yeah, mentioned yeah. five remote times. Remote ID isn't the, settled. Right, yeah, not at all settled. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, as I say, five mentions in the uh, FAA Reauthorization Act of 2023, if that ever gets passed. Yeah, right. So, yeah, network remote ID is definitely on the table still, guys. Um, it's, beyond, visual, uh, beyond visual line of sight should be uh, within four months, right? Isn't that what they committed to? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> four months, uh, you know, extrapolate that out a little bit. FAA yeah. oh, those are four years. Are those, are uh, those four Mars? Years. Maybe they're Mars months. <laughs> well, we definitely oh, have geez. to be on the lookout for whatever happens with the FAA Reauthorization Act, whenever yes, that's right. going to happen, if there's any surprises right. in there. Um, there were also already things in there that we weren't thrilled about, but definitely a lot of talk about network-based remote ID, like you were just mentioning. Yep. Yeah. So, and for those, uh, you know, who aren't up to speed on network remote ID, that is basically uh, what that looked like was requiring a uh, data connection, uh, either through cell phone or uh, Wi-Fi to a source that could then output that information to uh, the world, essentially. Right. Um, and uh, the reason that we were pushed against that was Number one, the the cost burden of that on operators. Um, number two, uh, privacy concerns, and number three, uh, that it, it negates the ability to fly in areas of the country that are rural and may not have coverage or spotty coverage. Right. Um, so, um, but eventually, the I think the FAA's goal is to get all that consolidated into uh, UTM, which is the uh, unmanned traffic management system, and right. uh, so they can track drone use uh, countrywide. And, the, uh, and also, in as much as the new FAA administrator comes from, <clears throat> is it Archer, I believe? Um, so I've hired the uh, uh, FAA administrator from private sector, mm -hmm. and uh, they so they are the um, Department of Transportation and the uh, FAA are keenly interested in accelerating the progress on advanced air mobility. Let's think air taxi, cargo, uh, and that all requires uh, just what Josh was talking about, the unmanned traffic management. And we anticipate uh, draconian regulations on small UAS under UTM. So that, that's, that will be bad. Another you know, thing the funny... to be on the oh, lookout okay. for is that they're sort of trying to bridge the gap between network remote ID and broadcast remote ID with having companies put up antennas and track all the remote ID broadcast information and then store that and then post it online or sell it to third-party vendors or sell it to the FAA or whatever. There's There's been a few stories about that kind of stuff going on out there too. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's concerning. And again, it's, it's concerning for privacy's sake. And um, you know, you should be in control of where you're flying, who's, who's around you, what's happening around you. And, you know, my concern is for those pilots who are under goggles, um, who, uh, even with a spotter may not be, um, uh, situationally aware enough to mitigate any kind of threat that's around them. So, um, as well as people knowing where you're flying thousands of dollars a year, right? So, um, it's a bad deal all around, but, um, the other interesting thing is, is, is we're talking UTM 
and the FAA's uh, in a severe uh, um, shortage of air traffic controllers right now. So we want to add another process when we can't, uh, when we're struggling to meet the needs of the current one. So uh, I don't know. It's just a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's totally totally do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've had the we've we've had the privilege of working with uh, a number of um, uh, air traffic control uh, union uh, members, and they've been fantastic. Uh, and I'm there is no sarcasm in my voice at all. Uh, the, these folks uh, take their uh, their job extraordinarily seriously, as they should. And uh, every time we've worked with them on a DAC or ACT tasking, they have contributed a lot. And so their position is they don't want anything to do with um, small UAS because they have their hands full and they, uh, uh, they are short on people. And so it's a, it, it's a reasonable and uh, a position to take from their part. Uh, the, the good news is that uh, their union was um, uh, very supportive of having participation in a number of uh, tasking groups that had not a lot to do with uh, air traffic control, but boy, these folks were incredibly uh, valuable to uh, to the effort. So mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes uh, as it goes forward. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any other questions, comments, Dan? Anything for the... Uh, I'm not seeing anything new at the moment. All right. Um, anybody else have anything to, to wrap us up this evening? All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, let's How, see. What's our I calendar do... look like for a couple of That's weeks? exactly what I was <laughs> checking. So if we do one, two weeks from now, it'll be two days after Christmas. So uh, we will update you all on if we decide to do that. I don't want to uh, you know, take anybody away from their families, obviously. That's uh, definitely an important period. But uh, we may still do one. We just have to talk internally on what that looks like. So uh, we'll keep you updated on whether or not. And if we do, fantastic. And if not, we'll see you in a couple of weeks after that. So uh, thank you all for joining this evening. We super appreciate the comments and the support. Um, and uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you all later. <laughs>